Good morning, everyone. Belated Happy New Year to some that I haven't seen. Man, it's great to see so many faces here in the building this morning uh, to be able to worship God. We're going to continue with our series, series in Philippians. So please open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. Last week, our brother Tom, and I love to go back and when we're on series and listen to the sermons by our brothers and sisters, brothers who preach the word, and it helps me to really focus on, you know, what we're dealing with, the context of what we're dealing with. And Tom did an amazing job uh, just starting us off and helping us to really understand the power of Philippians. And uh, Tom made this amazing comment. And it was really awesome. He talked about, you know, the Bible is a book of libraries and, and how these, the libraries come together. And, you know, you look at different books and we know that every book is, in, is canonized, inspired by the Holy Spirit, right? We kind of know that, right? But just like, you know, Tom Brady, stay with me, uh, brothers and sisters. You know, it's football season. There's been some upsets, so we may allude to some of that. I'm a coach, so I kind of get a little fired up during this time of year and seeing that stuff. But, you know, it's like LeBron James or Jack Nicholas or Tiger Woods. You know, you have some great, great athletes, the greatest of all time. And Tom made this comment about the book of Philippians possibly being the greatest book in the history of the Bible. And to me, you know, I don't disagree with that. There's some amazing things here in Philippians chapter 2. And, and just really looking at the theme, and as I was studying it out, it really resonated with me. It was really powerful. The thing about the, the theme of the book, thematically, the book talks about joy and rejoicing. 16 times, 16 times it's alluded to joy and rejoice in the book of Philippians, which is awesome. It's amazing. But check this out, 3,576 times the Bible references joy. Wow. 3,576 times. You know, Paul got his joy from what? To live as Christ. That's where he got his joy from. And I think for us, as men and women who follow God and follow Jesus, we have to ask ourselves, is our countenance to the point where we really, really are joyful every day? This world, this soup that we live in is corrupt. It has all kinds of things pulling at us every day, just really rousing us up and resonating with us in our hearts daily. And yet the Bible calls us to be joyful, to live as Christ. Today we're going to talk about an interesting slide right there. I give myself away for you. I give my... No, that's not the title, guys. That's... <laughs> That's not the title. There it is, the mindset of the Messiah. That's what we're looking at. So I'm going to read from my slides here in Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to look at some of the verses here, and we're going to get into it a little bit, and I'm going to stay right in the text, okay? My brother Jeff, who gave me some great coaching, he coached me up, he said, bro, stay right in the text. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to pull out some points, some takeaways from the text. But it, as you read the Bible, sometimes you read things and they get wrote and it's like over and over again you read it. There's some powerful things here in Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 5. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Mindset of Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. One of the things that was a goal of mine in 2022 is to really work on my subconscious mind, to really go deep and really understand 
what's going into my mind or what has gone into my mind? What's resonated? How did my background affect me? Being a child, you know, just growing up, how did that impact me? How did that affect me? What do people see? What do I give off as a result that what's in my mind? How can I adjust my mindset? And I think it's really important for us as followers of Christ or those who are attempting to follow Christ, we're trying to follow, we're not trying to follow an athlete. We're not trying to follow a politician. We're trying to follow Jesus. He's our Messiah. He's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the great I am. That's who we're trying to imitate. We're trying to imitate him. And you know what? As a result, it's really impacted my worldview. You know, as I'm stumbling through this passage, literally at times I'm stumbling through, I'm getting convicted about what I see in my Messiah. But listen to this. He says, in your relationships, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And so what you see here, as I read, you're going to see some things emboldened in white. And those are some of the things in the passages that stood out to me, and we're going to allude to those things along the way. You guys with me here? Have the same mindset highlighted as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality highlighted with God. Something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing highlighted. By taking the very nature of a servant highlighted, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbles himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more, now much more with COVID in the absence of one another. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing. Oh! Everything. Hey, Sherwin, can we make up a song? Everything without crumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain, but even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith. I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. You talk about, man, Tom says that this passage is the Mount Everest of the Bible. I think this passage of scripture gives us everything we need for life and godliness. I think this passage really helps us to understand the Messiah we follow and the higher calling that we have following this Messiah. And I think one of the things that's really important is for us to kind of clarify the depth of love that Jesus has for us. And I want to read another translation here. I want to read the New Living Translation. And I want to highlight a couple of verses as we read it. I do not have it up on the slides, 
But I want to read 6 through 8, and I want you to hear this from the New Living Translation. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and was born as a human being. When he appeared in him, I mean, he took, hold on, I missed the part, sorry. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. I mean, so what Jesus went through in this time, as Paul is writing to the Philippians, he's highlighting some key things about Jesus and who he was and the depth of love and the breath of life he's given us through his sacrifice. And you know, as we look at those passages, he talks about the divine privileges, divine privileges, supernatural privileges he's bestowed on us because of the depth of love he's had with us. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us the body of Christ. He's given us broken body. He's given us the blood that cleanses us. We're not perfect, but it makes us perfect in Christ. Amen? In Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, I want you to listen to these definitions. In verse 7, he made himself nothing emptied. The Greek word for empty is canoe or kenosis. A process of self-emptying Jesus' own will and becoming receptive to God's will without recognition perceived as valueless. Servant, Greek word, doulos, equals slave. No rights. Philippians 2 verse 8, humbled, humbled himself, the Greek word tapinos, tapanos, low-lying, unpretentious, esteeming oneself as small, recognizing one's insufficiency, but recognizing the powerful sufficiency of God. 2 verse 8, death on a cross, criminal's death. The cross was left for two people in the day of Rome. It was left for slaves and criminals. Illustrated when Jesus saved the thief on the cross. He was there with thieves, criminals on the cross. The depth that Jesus was willing to empty himself is incredible when you think about it. That depth has given us the ability to have an amazing relationship with God. You know, we see this every day, and I think, for me, it's really hard to do. I mean, I'll be honest with you. For me, my personality, and the reason I'm working on this subconscious effect in my body, is I'm trying to think about, in my mind, what, and do I have the mindset of Christ? What do I give off to people? What do people see? Do they see someone who's envying himself, and someone who's laying his life down, and someone who's compassionate and filled with humility, or do they see a combative person? Do they see someone, that's my natural tendency because of how I grew up, where I grew up, always fighting, survivalist skills, all those things that have impacted me throughout my life. Man, no, I want to be like the Messiah. But it's hard, and I need visual illustrations. I'm a visual guy, so I need to see that. And there are people in this fellowship, and there's many of you, okay? I'm not dismissing people, but there are many of you, okay, that illustrate this. And one person that came to my mind immediately was Noel Broyles. She came to my mind almost immediately. Now, Noel is one of those sisters, hey, how's it going? And I'm like, she's genuine. You know, COVID don't bother her. Hey. I mean, it's awesome. 
You see her, she hugs you, okay? I want you to meet somebody, okay? Here we go, let's go! I mean, just the energy, man, it's just awesome. And it's just, it's authentic. You know, I think of the, some of our community leaders like the Coleman's. I was at their West Cobb. I just popped in. I was meeting a brother here, and I was popped in on their leaders' retreat, their leaders' uh, meeting, not retreat, but leaders' meeting with, and there was some brothers and sisters there. Like, man, these guys empty themselves. I think of the halls, you know, in the East, they empty themselves. I think of uh, uh, Mr. Adams and his wife down in our South Ministry, just empty themselves. You see them, it's like, yes, Jesus, humility. Love. I think of some of our singles, man. You know, I work with the Thrive Ministry and what they're trying to do and how they're trying to help people. I think of, you know, the Atkinses and to themselves. I think of Katie Tangway and how she works tirelessly. I was at the last event, man. She had more stuff in her car, stuff popping out the trunks. I'm like, oh my God, sister. I mean, just every detail. Being in a core leadership group is a charm with them. Sarah Gifford, JJ, Jacqueline, Sabrina, Henry Hewitt, my man who's moving to Charleston. I'm still struggling with that. I'm not going to say I'm bitter with you, bro, but I'm a little mad at you. Love that guy. Love that guy. He has impacted my life. Totally different. Georgia Tech graduate, Sidewalk University with a degree in urban studies. Awesome. Two different people. That's me, SWU. High school graduate, that's all. Barely. But the beauty of it is, in our relationship together, it's been awesome. And he's impacted me tremendously. I think of Isaac Dennis, brother in town who just serves tirelessly with the music mini, my ministry. My brother Alex Fry, just behind the scenes getting it done. And there's so many of you that lay your lives down, that empty themselves in a way that's powerful and impactful and really honors Jesus through it all. And I think that's really important for us to see that this is a community of relationship. This is not about, you know, just one-on-one. -on -one. And I think it's very important that we lay ourselves down. And, you know, in watching these football games, you know, and, and, and maybe you don't understand. I'm a coach for 37 years, so I understand. You go to two-degree two degree weather, and you're playing Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau with all that tradition, and you beat them in Lambeau. And that had more to do about, it's not athletes, it had more to do about relationship, guys. It's the relationships of those players, not only in the locker room, but off the field. So my question to us is how much have our relationships grown? Are we vigilant during COVID? I'm not making excuses about being tired for Zoom. I'm not making excuses about, oh man, I'm, I'm Zoomed out so I can't connect my brothers and sisters. Are we making it a joy for our family group leaders? Are we making it a joy for our community leaders? Are we connecting, not only here at church, will this be the last time you see someone until next Sunday? Or will we really dive in and be vigilant in our relationship with one another? Amen? Humility is critical in this walk with Christ. It really is. Being empty in our walk with Christ is a powerful thing. And then he says, therefore, God exalted him. And so you got to understand, the way the Romans viewed humility, they viewed humility almost as shame. You understand that, right? It was a culture that exalted themselves. So you have there Lydia, who's from Philippi. You know, she's a Jewish woman. Then you have slaves. Then you have the Romans that he's talking to and a backdrop of them. And they looked at humility as shameful. And they thought exalting themselves 
was the route to go, whereas Jesus, his life was what was going to exalt us. Gave the name that's above every name, that is the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. The beauty of the cross is that it's equal. It doesn't matter what you've gone through in your life. It doesn't matter what stage of life you had. It was interesting, after the first sermon in 9 a.m. service, a takeaway, there was a brother who was really wrestling with his message. He was like, Kendall, you know, here's the thing, I mean, how did God see slaves? And, you know, I work at this job, and, and it's really difficult for me, and it's really hard for me. And the thing that's really hard for me is that, you know, I've got a guy who makes more money than I do, and no matter what I do and how hard I work, I make a very minimum wage, and I, I struggle with that. And he didn't, you know, we were kind of walking him through and talking through it, and we're, we're really looking forward to getting together and having more conversations like that. But a lot of times we look at how the world standards measures us up, and it's not the world standards that measures us up. It's God's standard that should measure us up. It's not about, you know, what we see in the world. This world has souped us up, guys. And being here, especially in America, is really difficult. Because, you know, we hear things, and I'm super patriotic in a lot of ways. I love America. I love the country. I love here. I'm grateful for where I live. But you hear things like the U.S. is the greatest country in the world. And you hear all this type of stuff, and it's like, no, 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 we've got to make sure in our subconscious that we're not elevating ourselves above others, but we're making people better. That what we're trying to do is we're trying to, to, to imitate the Messiah. We're trying to help people to be better. For what? The glory of God. Amen? And I think that's really, really important. And when Paul says, therefore, he's coming together with a conclusion of thoughts after he talks about Christ's humility, after he talks about Christ uh, emptying himself, he's coming together with these thoughts. Therefore, God exalted him. And then he goes on. Let's look at this as we read further. It says, therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, to continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You know, one thing about athletes, you know why we work out so hard? I know for me, man, it's, I'm trying to work out and it's like, oh my gosh, this, you know, this is really hard. But the reason athletes work out so hard is that they're afraid of losing. They're afraid of losing. And for us, what is our goal? Our goal is to make it where? To heaven. And every day, we need to be working towards that goal. And as we work towards that goal, it takes each and every one of us, it's our salvation. As a community, we are responsible not as individuals, but as a collective group to help each other make it to heaven. It is a collective group with fear and trembling. I love my brother Matt Shear. He's awesome. Great basketball player, man. He's still got the hoops. He's still got the game. You see him like, wow, he was a college athlete. But one thing Matt talks about is he talks about fear, the fear of God. And what you're saying, Matt, did you say? The preparation? Correct. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. There you go. And so that's what it's all about for us as Christians. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. But then he goes on and says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. 
Man, this is, this is powerful right here. I heard something on a podcast called, we're in CPR times, okay? CPR times, COVID, politics, and race. Those are the times we're in. And so, you know, they're, and, and they're all intertwined. They t- tie together. And what's really amazing about it is that one thing could happen here, it's political. COVID, should I wear a mask? Should I not wear a mask? Should I get vaccinated? Should I not get vaccinated? I mean, we have the discussions even here. It makes us all kind of skittish sometimes. And so recently, my man, Kerry Sullivan's here. Kerry, how you doing? He's, I work with Kerry. He's awesome. You know, his girlfriend is here with him. Uh, Catherine, how are you? You know, Kerry and I worked together in the bank, and it was great. And, and something came up. We were on a sales call about three months ago. And uh, we met on the south side, uh, this agent, this real estate agent. It was awesome. We had a great time just being out there. Kerry works on the commercial side. I'm on the retail residential side. And so a conversation came up about um, gentrification. Just... It came up in our discussion. We started talking about gentrification. And, and, and you know, I'm like, oh, boy, this is, this is a hot topic. This one has got some legs to it, you know? And so what was amazing about it, you know, we talked about it, and then we let it die, okay? And to Kerry's credit, he brought the conversation back up two months ago. He's two months later. He says, hey, Kendall, we want another sales call. It was really funny. We were kind of helping with some. Uh, we are involved with trying to help with um, some low to moderate lending on uh, another part of town. And. We're laughing because we haven't confirmed the deal yet, and we're there standing with the mayor with shovels, and we're thinking, oh boy, this, this is not going to go well because we're not confirming the financial part of this deal, but it's like, they're just shoveling with the mayor, hey, hey guys, get to see us, like, and Carrie's like, I don't know what's going to happen here, we've not confirmed this, this is crazy, and so it's really funny. So anyway, Carrie, to his credit, you know, I love Carrie, we're best of friends, me, myself, him, uh, Lawrence, Phillip, and Ross, we have a a great barbecue date every, you know, every six weeks. We go out and eat barbecue together in the middle of the day. We get these awesome wings and brisket and collard greens and, and uh, salmon and, you know, all this good stuff. I usually get salmon to try to justify the fact that I ate the wings and, you know, and then, it's, then they got good bread pudding there. Wait a minute. We're fasting. We're fasting. We're fasting. So, 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 we're, you know, but what's really cool, Carrie brings it up like a couple of months later, you know, hey, man. Remember that conversation we had about gentrification? I'm like, oh, not, not, not again. That's not, hey, man, bro, we're doing great. Let's kind of just move on, right? He said, you know, I learned some things from that. And, um, and he shared his thoughts, and I don't need to get into all the thoughts. And I said, man, I, I really appreciate you having that conversation with me. And at the end of the day, I want you to know, Carrie, in front of all my friends, man, I really, that conversation endeared me to you more than you know. It really did. The fact that you were bold enough to come back and circle the conversation two, two months later and talk about it and conclusively bring it to closure, knowing that it wasn't closed, meant a lot to me. It really did. That was a healing moment in my relationship with him. And not only a healing moment, but a healing moment in light of all of the challenges that I've gone through in many ways as a man of color. It just meant a lot. And I want you to know I appreciate that. But at the end of the day, brothers and sisters, we can't get caught up in some politician. We, some of us are left, some of us are right, some of us are in the middle, some of us are, I don't know where we are. But at the end of the day, that can't distort our relationship with the Messiah and one another. You can't. 
You know, it's really interesting for me, and I like arguing. Trust me, I'm a coach. I like to argue and all that kind of stuff. It, it, it's really funny, you know, Diane gets so frustrated with me. I like these, these talk shows like, like Mike and the Mad Dog or First Take or Shannon and, 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 and Stu or whoever his name is. And, and, and you hear these guys arguing, and, and Stephen A. Smith is ragging the Cowboys. I'm like, this is pretty good. No, Kendall, it's not. I'm like, I'm getting into it. Because I love to, it's like, you see, it's like, oh my God, this is, no, Jesus is Lord here. But that's my nature, is to argue and complain and do those things. And I think for us, our goal is to be blameless, pure children of God, amen? That's what we want to be. And we got to have these conversations. There is some tough conversations that need to be had in this room. I'm just saying it. We've got to go deeper in our, we've got to empty ourselves. We've got to face the ugly so we can get to the good. We've got to face that. Don't avoid it. Don't sweep it under the rug, man. Just talk it out. Love one another deeply the way Jesus has loved us. Amen? Because we want to be pure and blameless. You know, one of the things that was very freeing in becoming a Christian was the ability to confess my sin in the studies. But then also noticing that, not only confessing them in the studies, that I can confess them to my brothers and sisters daily in order to remain pure and blameless. It's inspiring to be able to do that. And here's what's interesting about that whole concept, right? The Bible says in John 5, 16, that the power, he says, pray for one another, right? The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. When is that prayer effective? After you've confessed your sin. After you've been transparent, after you've strived to be blameless and pure. And so for me, I know all the time the biggest challenge is because of my subconscious, because of what I've been exposed to, is really keeping my eyes in the right place. Making sure my eyes are blameless, making sure my eyes are pure, making sure I'm seeing things the right way, making sure I'm staying away from the internet. And when I do, talk about that stuff, talk that stuff out because it's important for us to be blameless children of God. Brothers and sisters, we live in a warped and crooked generation. We got to see it for what it is. And I think that's the great thing about Paul. When you see Paul, the joy he had, because he understood what the world was for what it is. Pure and blameless. Shine like stars in the sky. As you hold firmly to the word of God. Last month, Diane and I celebrated our 26th wedding anniversary. It was awesome. We went to Maui. It was so cool. We went to Waikiki and Honolulu and Oahu. It was so cool. It was so far. But amen. It was so cool. And we went on like this one of these romantic, although I got seasick at the end. We went on one of these really romantic, beautiful uh, dinner cruises. Saw a whale flap his tail. It was so cool. He was showing off for us. You know, you know, whales are the size of school buses. They weigh over 100,000 pounds. And then the, the guide said, look, look, there's Saturn. Look, there's another planet over there. And we saw Saturn flashing before our eyes. Literally flashing. And I thought, look, there's Saturn. Look, there's Pluto. Look, there's a star. We're stars. We're superstars. 
Do you believe it? Campus. You're a star on campus. There's nobody like you. You might be 6'5", 5'5", 5'3", 6'7", 200 pounds, 150, 180. You're a star. Mike and Curly, you've been stars for years. We love you, turkey. You're a star. Matt, you not only can ball, dog, but you're a star for God. You're a hero in the faith. You're a star. You're a star. You've been a star for a long time. We're all stars in the universe that shine. But we're only going to shine if we're pure and blameless and we hold that word of God firmly. Hold it to the end. Don't get bored with the good book. Hold on to it. Fight when your kids are losing their mind. Fight when your marriage is hard. Fight when you're struggling with your health. Fight when you're struggling financially. Hold on. Hold on. Hold it tight. I told you I had a sports illustration for you. I told you, as an offensive line coach, I got to teach you a trick. We teach him to hold now. It's not legal. (laughs) Get up in that breastplate. Don't let go. Keep it tight. When he gets away from you, let him go. But hold on. Hold him tight. Hold on against Satan's schemes. Hold on. And then you'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I not run or labor in vain. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. Paul got his joy from the spiritual process of others. Did you hear what I said there? Paul's joy came from the spiritual process of others. A joy as a coach is when you see the first week of the season, you watch the tape, and then you watch the tape on week 15 when you're playing for the championship, and you're like, wow, that's a different team. That's the same kid in the same body with the same height, but he's worked out, he's gotten stronger, his chest is sticking out, his thighs are bigger, his hands are tougher, he's smarter, he's wiser, he's been through the grind, ups and downs, injuries, knocks, banged up, and he's grown in the process. And I think for us following the Messiah, we can't be so hard on ourselves. We got to enjoy the process. The process. And he says, even if I'm being poured out, that even if the sacrifice means nothing to you, it means something to me and it means something to Jesus. I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. You too should be glad and rejoice with me. One of my favorite songs is Rejoice in the Lord always and I cannot say. That song is awesome. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always rejoice. Always rejoice. And there's a lot of things in this COVID and this CPR environment, man. Mental health issues are, are at an all-time high. 
People are really battling, man. It's a real struggle. That's why we need each other so much. Because the mental health component, people lost their jobs. We've been traumatized. I lost my sister-in-law. My brother-in-law is mourning. And there are others and so many like it. And brothers and sisters, we need to rejoice with each other. We need to rejoice. Rejoice. Be grateful for what God has done for us. And as I looked at this chapter, and I hope that you got some of this too, that in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 18, like I said, it's the Mount Everest, a lot of ways of our faith, but we've got so much to be hopeful for. When we follow this Messiah, there's so much to be hopeful for, and there's so much to be grateful for. And don't never let it get old. Continue to fight for your faith. Continue to fight for your your walk with God. But see these passages and understand that there's great hope for us because there was great hope for those Philippians and there's great hope through Jesus. And I'm hoping that, you know, as you see this, in my study, I took away a few things. We're going to post these on the website for you to take a look at the mindset of the Messiah. And just take a look and see some of these things that I took through here. And as you look at it, live a life of humility and death to self. Acknowledge daily that Jesus is Lord. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Shine like a star. Let's go to God in a word of prayer. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for Jesus. We're grateful for the opportunity to shine like a star. We're grateful, God, that we get to follow a Messiah like you. Thank you for emptying your life the way you did. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you, God, for making us virtually superhuman, allowing us to participate in your divine nature. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us daily, washes that dirty sin of the world away from us. Thank you for his broken body, a man that died as a slave, died a criminal's death, was crucified so that we can have a walk with you. Help us not to take that for granted. Thank you. Thank you for the way you use us and the way you've changed us. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.